Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor. Dennis, stick with you this morning. Uh, a lot of news, again, on our radar. We have earnings. Uh, Tesla gave a price on its offering. Uh, Pinterest uh, dropped on a headline from Facebook. We'll talk about all that and more. Our guest today is Ian Weiner from Bellator, Bellator Asset Management. He will join us at 8.35 to talk about ESG, Tesla, and a few other things. In the meantime, Joel, what's happening here in the overnight session? Oh, up seven handles, 33.84.50. We are trading above, or that's right at the uh, all-time high yesterday, 84.75. 88.50, that's your pre-market high. That's a target. Got nothing up there for you, folks. Maybe we'll see that magical 3,400 resistance level in the S&Ps. Crude, it's back here, up 74 cents. Put that bottom in under 50, trading at 52.16. Uh, 52.30 is the high, so nice range in crude. Gold flat here, let's call it flat at uh, 15.79. Silver doing a little bit better, up 5.6 cents at 17.67 and a half. Bitcoin, still over 10,000, not rushing to get to 11,000 yet. It's up $55. These are the futures at 10,000. 360 so we'll bring in triple d triple d everyone's in a really good mood here on this friday morning i i hope you're not going to ruin it for us well come on am i really that am i really that negative that i ruin your valentine's day would i do that and would i ruin your valentine's day happy valentine's day do they do they have Valentine's Day? Oh yes, we do celebrate that in Canada. Actually, we don't celebrate Christmas or New Year's or Easter, but we celebrate Valentine's Day. And everyone is very excited that you're going to be doing a show Monday morning because U.S. markets are closed. <laughs> and I will not be. So if you tune in, uh, Joel is kidding there. No, actually, we have. I have a day off too. You know what? Are they because Canadians don't like it when the Americans have a holiday and we don't. So, so five years ago. Instead, because you always had President's Day in February, and we felt left out. We didn't have a holiday. So we created Family Day. And Family Day is just a day to spend with your family. So Monday, I'm actually off, too, for Family Day. So it's a holiday even in Canada. We create holidays just because of jealousy. Right. We uh, and I also have some breaking news here, and I, I hope this doesn't upset you too much, Dennis. Are you ready? On? Sure. They closed the Tim Hortons in our building. No. Yes. It's permanently really? closed. Yes. Really? Yeah. You know, you know what? Tim Hortons, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to work in the States. You know, and it's never taken off because I think I forget how many. Yeah, maybe we could just Google it fast. But air is a crazy amount of Tim Hortons in Canada. Let's go. Tim Hortons stores in Canada. Just curiously. So Tim Hortons stores in Canada. How many Tim Hortons stores are in Canada? We're just asking Google. As of 2018, there was 4,000 in Canada. Okay, Tim Hortons stores in the USA. And the USA obviously has 10 times as many people. How many Tim Hortons are in the USA? There is only 807. This was as of 20. Actually, that's old. These are old numbers. So I don't have the updated numbers. So uh, forget that was actually from 2013. Google, you got to update. Google, update that. 
Uh, so anyways, on the fly, I couldn't find that numbers, but it's probably way more than that in Canada. And it might even be less than that in the US. For whatever reason, just never took off. Even in the States, you know why? Because it didn't have the Tim Hortons brand. Like in Canada, we just say Tim Hortons and everybody knows what it is. Your American signs are different. It says Tim Hortons on the sign. It says coffee and donuts because people see Tim Hortons like, what the hell is that? So they have to actually explain to you. I know in Michigan, you know what it is, but you get down further south, if there's any down there, they have to actually explain what a Tim Hortons is on the sign. Where Tim, you can just put TH on the sign here and Canadians know. People know, yep, there's people one know. in the corner. It's, part, right. it's, like a, it's part, just part of the culture here now, Tim Hortons. Like I said, they have the best business model. I don't even like, I don't drink coffee and I don't like Tim Hortons food, yet I find myself there once a week. That's an awesome business model when you actually don't like the food and you don't drink coffee, but you're still there. I don't understand why I'm there. But somehow I'm there. Amazing business. All right. At least so in Canada. Should we talk pot or Tesla? Oh, no, Tesla. Well, you can talk pot if you want. Pot's hot all of a sudden. Pot is hot. But we got to start with Tesla. Why not start with Tesla? All right. Tesla. All right. So they priced their offering that we discussed yesterday. It's $767 per share. So that's $2.65 million shares priced at $767. Okay, so to understand the mechanics on how these things normally work, <laughs> typically when you get the pricing, the stock will, that will be like a magnet and start to pull back down. The mechanics behind that is people who get the stock, who actually participate in the offering and get allocated those shares of 767, go to the open market and immediately short the stock to hedge themselves. So, you know, and then obviously they bring it in. Um, and and those, that, that pressure from, you know, people shorting the stock will bring it in. There's so much buying pressure in this thing though that the arbs are all scared so for instance i did not get the allocation i actually did short it on the number last night at 798 and then i was like eh. it went down to 796 and i'm like eh, i'm too scared to hold it overnight normally i would not even think about that if this wasn't tesla i would just short at 798 i'd wake up in the morning the stock would probably be at 770 this is tesla though so it's a different story. And I could just see, and there's probably some herbs still doing this. The herbs that actually, the herbs that got the allocation, they're locking in and it's done. But there's also people who don't get the allocation that are just going to bank that, oh, it's probably going to trade down that price. In Tesla's case, I highly doubt it trades down to the 767. I would not even be surprised if it goes green today, just to squeeze whoever is playing that strategy. This stock just loves to squeeze shorts. Yesterday morning, was another short squeeze. People selling it short, saying, oh, there's an offering. Oh, this is all bad news. The stock opens up at basically the low. Within 20 minutes, it's green. And with another hour and a half or two hours, it's up 30 handles. So it's very, very difficult to stay in this short for more than a few minutes, uh, let alone overnight. It's a risky stock. I hate being short the stock overnight. That's why I covered before the eight o'clock close last night. Um, I'd be up a little bit more, but I was way too nervous to hold into it. I think you do have people who are shorting it here this morning thinking, well, 767, it's got to trade down, right? Stock doesn't have to do anything. Yes, there's the mechanics. Yes, there's people shorting who got the allocation, but people who are shorting that didn't get the allocation are taking a significant risk here. Uh, I'd be scared. I don't think it trades 767 today. I don't think it trades 777. I would not even be surprised if this thing goes back up over 800, which is it, completely against all trading books, completely against all logic. But Tesla hasn't traded on logic in six months. Spencer, were you going to add something onto that? No? No. Um, I'm just looking at this technically. Obviously, you know, support 767, as Dennis said, doesn't look like it's getting there. Uh, 820. 
I mean, you had the high uh, with the Google article at 819.99, and then you had another high at 818 yesterday. So that's eight bucks away from the 50% retracement. But I think if you can clear 820 in that today, that there's room up perhaps to 845.98. But a really important level, 820. On the downside here, you can use that 767 as support, but uh, I don't think it's going to be getting there today. Aviator one in the chat says, um, it's not what he wants to hear. He is short Tesla. And I will tell you, the textbook, if you're looking from textbooks on, you know, arbitrage and all the different, you know, with all around offering prices, the textbook play is short here. But Tesla has defied all logic, defied textbooks for so long that I am too scared to play the textbook play on this. Yes, I would be up another four points from where I covered it last night if I still had it on right now, but I wouldn't have gotten any sleep last night and I would have taken a couple of years off my life. So that would have been not worth it in that case, but it's tough. It's tough. Um, it's it sh- textbook says usually that 767 acts like a magnet, at least until the offering is actually given out and done. Uh, but I'm too scared to short this thing. And I've seen them squeeze them before they squeeze the shorts yesterday. I would not be surprised. They squeeze them again today above 804. I'd be really nervous. Doesn't, it doesn't have to do anything. I'll just say that. Next. Okay, next. Uh, I want to go to Pinterest here before we go to, go to some. Yeah, let's do it. This Pinterest thing is very interesting. So uh, I don't know the exact time this article came out. I think it was pretty damn close to 4 o'clock. Yeah, right it, around there. Yeah, it was right around 4 o'clock. And an, an article from The Information, which is one of these premium uh, news tech news sites that you have to pay for, uh, the headline was Facebook quietly releases Pinterest-like app. And when I pull up the chart of Pinterest after hours, you will see the reaction to, it, that, it got killed. to, that, to that headline. It, it, th- this is Match. Remember Match? This is Match.com. And I fell for Match the first time um, because I thought, well, Facebook's coming after them. This was when Match was, I don't know, like 50 bucks. And I was like, I wouldn't want to be long with Facebook coming af- after them. Well, we saw what happened after that match just continued to run when they originally announced that they were going to come in this dating app. And, you know, over the next year, it ended up going up to 90. So I'm not falling for it this time. I think Pinterest eventually bounces back here. Valuation is still an issue for Pinterest. It's probably why I don't have my long-term investment account. But as a trade, you're filling the gap. As a trade, you've got some support down at 22. And as a trade, as long as the market holds up here, I think this thing bounces back i think when we look at it three four days from now it has a potential to bounce back so it was leaking a little bit it wasn't like it was showing a lot of strength coming into it which was a little bit concerning but you got nice support down 22 so it's funny you mentioned uh, match group so that facebook expanding its dating app thing that was in september of last year and match fell i, I think matches biggest gap at one point was seven percent it was down seven percent on that Facebook headline. And like you said, Dennis, they, they bought that dip. They did. So, so it, I don't know if they bought it on the first day, but they eventually did buy it. And we know this market loves to buy dips. This is one of those higher growth names that eventually could get some love again. Yeah, everybody got too excited on the earnings. It's filled the gap here now. So it's yep. right back to the price where it was prior to the earnings report that everybody loved. I don't mind it here as a buy for a trade. 20, 20, lower 22s. What's the after hours low? Uh, there, there, 22, your 28. Yep. 22, what was it? 22.26. 22.26. So good support down there. 50 cents below here. I don't know if you get another shot at it down there or not. 
I'm intrigued as a trade. You know, I don't know where my stop out. Your stop out's probably the low of the move, which is 2077. I'm going to that candle back from January 27th. I always, when I put on a trade, yeah, I always want a contingency plan. You got to say, hey, okay, I'm going to buy it maybe at 22. If it takes out 2877, I'm going to get the hell out. I mean, it's always good to have a contingency plan. Whenever I put on any trade, I usually know, you know, I try to set up kind of a risk return to a certain extent. Um, so I look at it here. If you're going 22, if you think get this thing at 2230, you're risking yourself a buck and a half. You know, I like at least a two to one. So then you want to make three bucks, 2230. So you want to get back up in the mid 25, 26 area. I don't mind it. I don't mind it on the pullback here just because we've, we have seen this before and they shrugged off the match. They're not shrugging this off immediately this morning, but this market has a tendency to shrug things off. And you've already had buyers step up here from that 22, 26 level. Uh, the intermediate low has been 22.50 and just a patient buyer here. Also, if you got caught short going into the earnings report, boom, you're getting a little bit of a reset here. So uh, I like it. I'll agree with you on that area. You're already filling the gap. I would say, you know, you take out this pre-market low, I'd have to reevaluate. Maybe you get a, like a little a little sell-off of the open. Let's say we open right here at like 22.60, 22.70. You dip down, and this might be kind of a whoops trade where it comes back up through the open, and then you lean on that early low. So there's a potential setup in pin interest, and I said it right, no, right? You said I it didn't. Wrong. No. <laughs> I love the words. I think you're the only person that says pin interest, but it's yeah. better that's than pinterest. No. It How makes more sense as pin now interest. What it's, it's, but it makes sense because that's what it is. You pin your stuff and you're interested in those uh, okay. pin interest. I mean, at least right. I, they named the company at, wrong. At least I'm not calling it pint pint interest. You know, like pint pin interest. I, I like the pin interest name. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh, pot pot. Okay. Yeah, let's pot is hot. Hot pot pot. Yes. Uh, so just like uh, that pot, it's so hot right now. Right, and just like First Solar is sort of the, the leader of the solar names, Canopy Growth is the leader of, yeah. the, of the cannabis names here. And they're reporting yeah. earnings this morning, and uh, the earnings were, I, I guess they, they, they like them. The EPS, uh, they lost 35 Canadian cents per share. That's uh, down three cents from a year ago. And their sales increased from 123 million Canadian dollars uh, last quarter to 83 million at the same point a year ago. Wow. So their sales are increasing, their uh, losses are decreasing, and they like the canopy growth report, and therefore all of pot is trading up this morning. Wow, what a lift. Um, oh, the only problem is every time the pot stocks have had a good report on earnings, you look at them three weeks later and they've given it back. I can't fight that trend. I can't come up here and chase this thing up 22%, even though this is a market that gives a pass to everything right now, it seems like. I mean, the buy the dippers were, were rewarded here. Once again, we talked about CGC being the best in group. It's a nice lift for it, but we saw Afria do the same thing about three, four weeks ago. Got a nice lift on earnings, and here it is a month later, right back down to the lows. ACB is a disaster. I mean, it's lifting a little bit on this, but Gordon Johnson's been on our show. He thinks it's a zero. I'm not going to argue with Gordon. I don't, he knows more than I do about it. Um, and obviously they've got cash burn issues there as well. So there's lots of consideration there. CGC is a different story. I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be one of those that survive. Um, you know, the valuations are still extreme. I'm not putting it in my long-term portfolio here. I'm not chasing up 22%, but 
I'm not shorting it either. I'll say that. I, I'm, it, it's, it's a tough one here. Typically, if we were in normal market environments, I'd say sell it. But we're not in normal market environments. It shrugs everything off. People just want to own stocks. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it gives some life to the sector here. It wouldn't surprise me if it didn't go down. I'll just say that. It's a really hard pitch to hit here. It's not a slam dunk short. I'll say that. Uh, trading up uh, 446 or 23% here at 23.97. Just bumping up the highs of the pre-market session. <sighs> I'm just looking at the daily highs here. I see one at 23.95. So now let's just call right there. You open into 24. I think with this one, I wouldn't be shorting it either. But let's say I was long it, which I'm not. Full disclosure, I would put I would put some stock out there at like 24, just a little bit, you know, and see if they take me. And then I would put a little bit more at 24 and a half and see if they take me. And then I'd you'd, put a, you'd scale out of this. Yeah. I, I would put a boatload at 25 and I'd say, come and get me. And that's <laughs> 25 is your line in the sand. Yeah. You want and out I, at 25. Yeah. But then by doing that, so let's say, you know, that you get nibbled on your 24s, but they're not touching your 24 and a half. Then, you know, you got some company out there on the sell side. If they, you know, if they scoop up your 24 and a half right away, they don't know you got a truckload behind you at 25. So that's the way I once again, can't chase it on the upside. Big move over the last couple of days. I don't know what the options players are in this. You can lock in some profits, but uh, that's the way I would play it if um, if I had it on long. It's, a, it's yeah. a really nice lift. It's getting back up in overhead supply, though, which is why Joel's saying he probably in the industry 24 yeah. to 25. He's looking at all the overhead supply. There is a lot of overhead supply here. It is a stock that has been in the gutter for a long time. So I have a lot of people saying, oh, I got some of my money back. Thank you very much. There's still a lot of believers in this sector too. And you know, I, I, you know, obviously valuation's always been the issue with all these stocks. That's why I've you know, not liked the sector for a year now, simply because you know, I sold my ACB when I went full bearish on pot back when it was eight or nine bucks. And that was the beginning of 2019. You can see the lift into that. And I'm so glad I did. And I was just saying, I think the competition's getting too intense and I think the sector's in trouble. That being said, there's been a major repricing in a lot of these stocks here now. So, you know, if you're coming in here and saying now is the time to get short all these things, I mean, they're down, you know, some of those are down 70% in the last year. So a lot of the meat, there maybe there's still a little meat on the bone, but it's a little overextended. Could we have a relief rally here where it takes the stock up for a few weeks? Sure. So that's why I say it's just not a slam dunk to come in here and short this thing up 22%. Although, like I said, normal market environments, I probably would do that. Um, I'm looking here on the pro and I thought that uh, didn't someone bring this right off the bottom? I think it was, uh, it was bank America. That's who it was. Right. When it ticked around 15, uh, let's see bank America. Did they upgrade them? They did. No, they, they came up. When was this? Well, I remember some ratings here. Yeah. Bank America on November 20th. That's uh, off to bank America. They upgraded the, the stock from neutral to buy. Nice call, that, Bank of America. Yeah, yeah, so that's after it made the thirteen eighty one yeah. low, and then it was been off to the races. So, you know, if I was a longer term holder of this one, I would, uh, you know, get an account open in Bank of America and get their ratings and talk. To this yeah, guy. you know what? We always give the analysts heat here, but yeah. there's so let's give them some props. Let's give you know credit where credit is due. Bank of America calling a bottom. You know, that was a bold call because the stock was going straight down when they gave her that upgrade. 
And yep. you know what? It's been basically straight up ever since. So nice call, whoever that analyst is over at Bank of America. All right. Do we want to look at any sympathy plays here? Yeah, you're going to see Kronos is the direct one. Kronos really, you know, does get a pretty good lift. Like I said, you're seeing them all trade up. You can go to the MJ, which is Spencer Israel's left, yeah, favorite thing ETF. to look at. Yep. I mean, that encompasses all of them. Yeah, but not- obviously, you got Kronos, CRON, you got Afria, APHA. You've got, you know, ACB is getting a little bit of a lift, but then there's smaller ones like, you know, here's Village Farms. This is a small one, VFF. Um, that's getting some love here this morning. It's trading up 6%. So there, there is, you know, a dozen of these things you can trade off of. And I'd imagine they're all going to get a lift here today. So, um, you know, to check them out. And, you know, there could be some trades in there. Maybe if a couple of these things open too low, maybe there's an opportunity. Yeah, and my pig that you told me not to buy, um, Elkana the uh, pot distributor in Canada, LQS. How's that doing? Uh, I should have listened to you for once. <laughs> I should have listened to you. <laughs> What's the symbol on that one? I don't know anything about that one. Too many symbols. Too many letters. Too many letters. letters. When, when a stock has more than three or four letters, I don't buy it. That is just like, no, don't letters. even send me information on it. Don't okay. even send it. Five, six letters. It's, there's a dozen letters in there because it's reorged so many times. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested. That's it's a rule of thumb. I put it on uh, page six of my trading book. When stock has more than four letters, I ignore it. <laughs> that just means it's OTC. Is yeah, exactly. no, I know, but I'd rather go and buy it somewhere it's, else. Then. It's looking good. It's looking good. L-Q-S-I-F. Yeah, it's not looking too good. Where is uh, I got to look at a chart of that LQ. No, we don't have to look at a chart. Okay, we won't. And I almost bought more. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I wasn't a moron in that one. I think for these other stocks, I'm not going to go through all the individual charts, but the main stock is CGC, so that's your leader. I follow that one. But for the other stocks, I'd put more emphasis on that opening print, you know, because news is specific to CGC. These, you know, you're getting sympathy plays along with it. So with those, I think the open would be a little bit more important. Uh, Tilray, Cron, and Bev making a little bit of a run. And then we mentioned GWPH. Yeah. I'm on the radio, honey. Oh. oh okay laura <laughs> i've got a i've got a, i've got a special guest here special guest you want to see my daughter she's yeah, here sure here let's bring her on Family she just broke in. it's like that guy what was that cnn video you know, oh, they break in. It, it was um it was uh, <laughs> that's this yeah that's that funny. was uh bbc i think <laughs> it's B- oh, BBC. bbc there's natalie she's ready she's healthy she's gonna beat the flu right. <laughs> <laughs> dennis uh okay she does it she does her hair like you. <laughs> well, wait, not, not you mean yeah, not actually, at all? Actually, she escaped. Yeah. Not she at all. She escaped and broke in. I gotta get a lock on that door, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we move on from that or what? I'm not really sure. No, that's a, well, that was a fun Friday for you. Then. Yeah. She right. didn't, uh, Dennis. She didn't have a mask on. No, I know. I should should because <laughs> she had the flu, so I should be putting the mask on her so I don't get the flu. That's what should happen. She's on antibiotics now for the flu. She got an ear infection, actually. So we have... Don't worry. No coronavirus here. At least we don't think so. It looks like she looks... She's running around pretty good. She's breathing pretty good. The ear hurts a bit. So I'm pretty sure... uh, She's okay? Pretty sure she doesn't have coronavirus. So we're good to go. So we did... You know, we haven't even talked about chip stocks yet here. Holy cow. And you know what? I own the one. I own this one, too. I should have given myself some love here. Let's talk it. NVIDIA. NVIDIA reporting earnings after the close yesterday, and they were good. EPS beat a buck eighty-nine versus a buck sixty-six estimate. Sales three point one versus two point nine billion dollars. So a beat and a beat for their Q4 numbers in NVIDIA. 
Uh, they gave us some guidance, but they said basically with the coronavirus, it makes everything difficult to project. So not even going to give you those. Everybody says everything is difficult to project with the coronavirus. The market doesn't care ever. So we'll, we'll do, everybody wants my coronavirus rant. It's coming. Don't worry, guys. I give one every single day. So it's coming. Again, um, I stay long. I'm still long NVIDIA. I'm still long the world here because the world is telling me to stay long it despite all of my logic saying sell, sell, sell. The anxiety guy in my head. So I'm staying long NVIDIA. It's almost double for me. I bought this stock when it was in, in the gutter there. So I actually picked this up right near the lows. I think I bought it 140. So, and I was like, I threw it in the retirement account. I was like, that was when it came from 290 down to, I got Wait. down to $124. And I was like, I bought it on the way down. I was like, 140 is cheap enough. I believe it was trading 19 or 20 times earnings, which was the cheapest multiple on NVIDIA in years that we had seen. And I was like, I'm a valuation guy. I'm like, this is still a growth story and it's got a nice valuation. So I bought some shares, threw it into my retirement account and forgot about it. Glad I forgot about it because it's almost a double. Uh, great number for you folks here. Uh, your all-time high, man, we're revisiting that. Your all-time high was made in October of 2018 at 292.76. And off the second bracket, you got up to 292.65. You have backed off five bucks from that, though. But if you want to hold out for the all-time high, there it is. Get a shot at it. The longer it takes to get up there and bust through there and head for 300, maybe see some profit taking in this one. Uh, it's got some. Yeah. It's got some resistance here. That's it. 292. If I had this on for a trade all this time, I'd maybe think that 292 level. That's so big. It's such a huge level. Um, but with that being said, this is the market that just takes out highs. <laughs> <laughs> I. I. I those puts that I've bought for the insurance are not looking good on my long-term portfolio, but you know, I'm still happy. I'm still fully invested here or close to fully invested. Like I said, I did sell three or four stocks, but I got about a hundred in there. So I might've lightened up. And, and somebody was saying, Oh, I thought you lighten up 30%. I was talking about the hedge. So I bought puts that lighten my portfolio up uh, probably about 10 to 15%. And then I sold probably three or 4% of my portfolio. So I probably lighten myself up over 20. I had full intentions of buying more puts. I still have full intentions of buying more puts. The market's just not allowing me to do it because it keeps going They're up. They're allowing you to do it, Dennis. Well, why? Yet. Why? Because you know buy. what? It keeps going higher. I can so, get, I mean, I maybe can, I'm going to miss it. You know, and it's going to suck if all of a sudden, you know, I do miss my hedge, my full hedge on my portfolio. But I'm like, it just continues to go higher. I'm still very worried about the coronavirus. It's not going away. I know the market shrugs everything off, but here's, here's your classic. I talked about this a few days ago, trading against your bias. And if you've been listening to the show, you know I'm very nervous about the coronavirus, even going to the point of buying long-term portfolio insurance on my long-term portfolio. But here's yesterday. So after the bell, we can talk about this. RCL Warren, same thing Carnival Cruise Lines did. Same exact thing. Um, comes out, Warren says, you know, we're going to take a hit of probably at least 65 cents per share. I'll just read it from you. Wow, that's a lot. Royal Caribbean says travel restrictions and cruise cancellations expected to have a 65 cent per share impact on 2020 financial performance. So not good news, right? Well, CCL did this three days ago and I'm sitting back and I was like, watching it come down, I was like, come to Papa, come to Papa. Cause you know what? Here I am. I'm worried about, you know, the stock long-term. It's not going long-term portfolio, but I'm like, they'll bounce us back. 
because that's just what this market does. I was sitting down there at like 110 and change and I'm like, it didn't come. And then it was like, okay, I'm sitting up at 111 and then it didn't quite, it, it touched 111 a little bit last night and then started lifting 112. But for whatever reason, somebody decided they were gonna sell NCLH Norwegian Cruise Lines. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll buy Norwegian Cru Cruise Lines down a buck on this RCL warning. So I actually am sitting here fading that news. You know, the news that logic would say you do not want to fade. Normal markets, the stock would probably get killed, but it's not normal markets here right now. And you know what? RCL ended up bouncing all the way back last night. Yes, I know it's down slightly here this morning, but again, it's just this buy the dip mentality here. They're like, CCL, we saw it that day, opened down almost $2. It was going down, or, or, or maybe it was 2 3% actually. And they turned around and ripped it up. Um, I'm not going to say RCL is not going to do the same thing. And if you understand that rant, then you must have a psychology degree. Uh, no, just saying. I, I, okay, I, I, so I, I can simplify for you. Is that despite you know the CCL basically saying we don't know what the hell is going on and we're going to have a really bad quarter, they bought the stock back up. Well, RCL must have watched CCL action two days ago and said, well, we might as well do the same thing. Get we'll come up clean here right now because CCL got a pass. Maybe we'll get a pass too. So that's what they did. They give smart. They come out and give a warning. And you know what? It's down a buck. I mean, it's down nothing. You just basically said we're, we're, we're screwed for next quarter because the bookings are all going down, which we've anticipated is going to happen. Yet the stock's down 60 cents. And then Fantastic they market for you to say. You know, normal warnings. If we're in normal markets, forget about the coronavirus, forget about everything else. The company warns that the quarter is going to be a disaster. They knocked the stock down 10% back you know, when we were in normal markets a year yep. ago. Not in this market, not in this market. It's like, oh, we thought it would be worse than that. We thought there'd be zero buckings. We didn't think it was just 65 cents. So the market says, that's actually bullish. That's what they said for Carnival Cruise Lines. That's how this market trades right now. It's like the news wasn't that bad. It's only 130 people died yesterday. Oh, we were expecting 300. That's good news. That's bullish. That's this market right now. There's an asteroid coming. Asteroid coming to hit the earth. And, you know, they've been obvious it's not going to hit. It's going to miss by... 2 million or 200 or I don't know what it is, 2 million miles or something. But, you know, it's bullish. Everything's bullish. La, la, la. All right. The, the, um, the thing, too, is that they lower expectations for next quarter, and then they come in and they beat the lowered expectations. Oh, yeah. So that would be bullish, too. It would be the double bullishness. Yeah. And then the Fed lowers interest rates to negative and, you know, everything's fine. So it's uh, – no, you're right. And it's uh, – Everything is good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of asteroids, uh, someone asked about space here, SPCE. And if you got yourself in this stock, then – Holy mackerel. What a monster. I don't know how to tell you about this one. I mean, I'm it's not – orbit. Yes. Oh, very – oh, we could do tons of puns off this Oh, one. yeah, for sure. Flying um, high. Yeah. In orbit. Oh, out of this world. Out of this world. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> I don't we know. Go back and forth. I don't See know. What... It's like a hot potato game. <laughs> this is one small trade for me. Spencer, get in there. One small trade this for is so one, many... one giant trade for you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one small one small trade for traders, one giant trade for whoever's long. <laughs> wow. I would say I don't know. Monster I mean, move. Did Dennis, didn't you rocket ship? I'm a rocket man. Oh, there you go. A little Elton John. Uh, a little EJ for you too. We did it all. Okay, anyways. Uh, wow, what a stock. It's been 20, unbelievable. I would just said go... the other day. Well, there's no coronavirus in space. So it's the uh -huh. anti-coronavirus play. 
At least there's no coronavirus until we actually put somebody up there. When it's gonna suck when you know somebody gets coronavirus. This trade, this trade is like the ultimate. This is the, the ultimate like Earth hedge trade. If you want to like, well, yeah, you saw the asteroid come, and they're like, get long space. Right, exactly. Also, though, this is like the only pure. Like seriously, this is the only pure play for space right now. So anyone who is remotely interested in space uh, at all will want to will want to buy this stock. And so it's, I think it's benefiting from the fact that there are. It has no peers. It is. It is. In, in industry unto itself right now. Uh, a new uh, new commenter here in the YouTube chat, control the trade. Houston, we have an all-time high. That's a we good do. one. That's Again. Yeah. I've lost a lot of money trying to short stocks making new all-time highs, and I've made a lot of money actually buying them. Buy high, sell higher. This is the market for that. I don't know. You're chasing here. It's going to have a real ugly day one of these days, but I'm not trying to call it top. Uh, I said there's a level here. I mean, to keep an eye on, you're trading up 92 cents, uh, but you are opening into a pair of highs, 24.48, 24.69. So open up, hold 24.50. Then hey, why the hell not? 25, 25 and a half, uh, 26. Uh, if you're looking to buy this on the cheap a little bit, like you're like, oh, I don't want to buy the old, you know, that old double top. Yeah. Got to keep an eye on the old-time closing high. That's down at 23.66. And you still got increasing volume in this thing. Uh, the last four sessions, 5 million, 7 million, 15, 16, 27, 22. So I don't know if the buyers are done yet. I think if you are holding this thing, you want to look next three, four days, maybe get some consolidation. The volume kind of tapers off a little bit and, you know, there's no more, uh, you know, people to buy it to push it higher. But a couple levels there, 24 and a half and all time closing high at 23.66. Let's just do one more before uh, we go to our sure. guest here. And let's do Roku. We somehow haven't discussed Roku. Oh, how do we miss Roku? How do we do? Because I, I was going to go to Roku, but then you wanted to do I have two the of them. You have two Rokus? I have two Roku sticks, yeah, for two TVs. Oh, okay. In any uh, case. Like I, I gave them lots of money. They yeah, I have my credit card, even though I don't know. You know, when you set up your Roku, they take your credit card, but you don't actually have, you know, I've never been charged anything, but they take it just to set it up. You have to give a credit card number. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I was like, how do I get it by that? And I was like, I couldn't find a way around it. If there's a way around, let me know. But anyways, I gave my credit card number. Um, so they've got my credit card number. They got my 40 bucks and they got my credit card number, um, but they've never got any extra money from me. But you know what? There's some cool things even on the Roku TV. Like on that actual, like they call it Roku TV. They have some streaming stuff on there too. And they're getting some, yep. you know, some old shows. If you like some old Westerns and stuff, there's a lot of that stuff on there. Elf, do you remember that show? Elf, we talk about space. Do you remember the original uh, Alien Life Forum, Elf, from the 80s? Or was yes. it 80s or 90s? Wasn't that a or, movie with... Um, no, the Alien. Remember the Alien uh, crashes? Elf, a Elf, Elf, not Elf. Uh, uh, no, 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 not ELF. That's Will Ferrell. I'm talking ALF. That were okay. the alien. In any case, in, in any case, uh, Roku beaten beat. <laughs> I want to talk <laughs> Elf. <laughs> well, I want to get right, change the subject I thought, fast. I thought it was I, get, I agree. It's I, actually it was a pretty bad show. I I might I, I liked it. it. Uh, pre yeah, yeah, cats. I, Easy Mike remembers. We got up to 157 on the headline number. But we're below the highest level since you had that gap down. So 153.35, uh, that's my first level of interest. And then to fill the gap, you need to get up to 159.30. They also reported a, uh, a record number of streaming hours last quarter, which I guess you would expect. because. And did they pull the rug out with them in the Super Bowl and then they put it back on? Did they, they, they did 
temporarily lose their their carriage deal with Fox, but they got it back before the Super Bowl. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Let's bring on our guest today, Ian Weiner. He has been joining us. Uh, he's been joining our show for, for a while now, and he joins us now. He is an advisory board member at Bellator Asset Management. He's also the author of Ubiquitous Relativity. Ian, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, Ian, I think the last time we had you on, we, we I'm pretty sure we talked Tesla. And so do you have any new thoughts on what the stock has done since then or the offering? Well, I mean, I think that it's, it's what, what's happened is, is clearly a, a technical move more than anything fundamental. Um, I think that you've got a situation where there's just no free float and, and you have a situation where you have a bunch of index funds trying to, uh, scale up their positions and and as a result add in a short base and some derivatives desks that are short around the street and you suddenly have what you had here uh, as far as the money raise i mean clearly it takes away one of the near-term bear cases so you know companies that do that oftentimes you know you'll get that little quick shoot down and as the shorts just try to cover on the news you know, you come right back, especially the fact that, that Musk and Ellison are buying a bunch. So I have no true fundamental opinion on the stock whatsoever. Um, and if you told me it was going to be 10,000 or zero in two years, I would, I would believe you. <laughs> I could go either way. That's a tough, tough yeah. stock to trade, tough stock to call, Ian. Um, let's talk quickly overall market sentiment here. I mean, we've had so many worries, you know, th lots of things to worry about. It was the trade deal forever. Now in the last you know, month, it's been the coronavirus. The market completely shrugs off those worries as well. We continue to make new all-time highs every day, despite China basically being shut down for a month here. What are your thoughts here on the resilience of this market? I think, I mean, step aside from the sec, you know, from the fact that people are dying from this virus it is incredibly bullish for the market because now you've sort of given a free pass to every central bank around the world to do whatever they want. Mm. Um, and because there's a, the big unknown and nobody really knows how many people are dying in China or what's going on, you've got, you know, China pumping liquidity. You've got the fed uh, having the ability to be a lot more dovish. And that is to me, trumps everything else that's going on. Uh, and so as long as rates stay low and you've got the ability for, um, you know, the Fed and other groups to continue to expand valuations by, by propping up assets, it's, you know, you're kind of in a situation where like, unless you think the world's going to end, right, which I don't, what's going to happen, which is what always happens with these things. Eventually it settles down. People assume probably correctly that demand's not going away permanently it'll just shift and pretty soon you'll have every you know bullish person on the street saying well hey good news next year there'll be easy comps and so and so whatever happened this year once it's over now you're going to have a bunch of bullish things going on and so I, that's why i think people aren't reacting to this stuff and just you know reality is sixty thousand people die each year from the flu so it, it, it seems like it, it's a little over the top. All right, Ian, I want to ask you about something that you emailed us about last week. And I don't know if you read the same note from RBC or if it was a coincidence, but you emailed us on like, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday last week. And then a few days later, I see an article 
in the journal saying the pretty much the exact same thing you were, which was a lot of these ESG funds uh, hold mostly technology stocks and a lot, or I should rephrase, a lot of the most commonly held stocks in ESG funds uh, are technology stocks, big tech stocks like Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Alphabet, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, so I guess what, like, what was your reaction to, to seeing that? Cause you, it, it seemed to rile you up a little bit. Well, I mean, first things, you know, if, if the United States can't beat out the Royal bank of Canada, then, you know, I don't know what to say anymore, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we my reaction is pretty simple. It, it's just another gimmick. It's just another wall street way of making money. Uh, and the index funds, uh, have caught on to the fact that, uh, you know, people suddenly uh, have decided that there's some new category of investing that's, that's somehow going to be uh, more ethical. Uh, and as a result, um, they've created these ETFs to track that. But if people just buy because it says ESG and don't look at the underlying sort of composition of these indexes, they're missing out on, on what is one of the more, you know, kind of silly things I've seen in a while, which is that, you know, all the, all the major holdings in this ESG fund are the big top holdings in the, in the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P. So what is the real difference? Um, other than you're, you're trying to find new ways to have people put money into passive investing. And here's a great way. And unless you actually do the work uh, to see what you're buying, um, you know, you're, you're, you're winding up buying the exact same stuff that's in another index. Forget about the fact that, I mean, we could go through each of those companies and, and even some of the oil companies that are in that index right. and really start to question what the ESG benefit is here uh, of these companies. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, Coca-Cola is moving from, from plastics to some cans or doing different things. Meanwhile, you know, a third of the country is morbidly obese. So it's hard for me to figure out how these companies get in there. But once they do, they're clearly distributed the same way any other index fund is. So the bigger companies just get bigger uh, and you wind up owning the same stuff you would have owned anywhere else. But now you're just putting incremental money in because you think that you're, you're somehow being a little bit more ethical. So I think it comes down to knowing the index, right? Know the index. If, if you're going to buy a fund that tracks an index, know what's in the index. And Dennis talked about the same thing before. You know, you know, people think of the Qs as as a tech fund, uh, and yet it's got names like Pepsi in there, right? So just know what's in the index if you're going to buy a fund that tracks tracks the index. Yeah, I, I think that's a hundred percent right. You've got, you, you know, and it's the same way with any portfolio, right? Know what you own is, you know, how many times you hear that over the years. But the reality is, in a situation like this, it's very important because you're, you, you, in theory, you're doing this because you think you're buying into some different level of governance and social responsibility. Right. Meanwhile, you're basically buying the S and P. And so, and this is where ESG differs slightly from SRI. So ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And it's an investing strategy first, meaning it's focused on returns, but returns that are from uh, companies that are, that are doing well from an environmental, social, or government standpoint. SRI stands for socially responsible investing. And that is focused, m number one, on 
companies who are socially responsible, and number two is returns. So if you really wanted to go this route, you would be, be more the SRI person where you're, you're screening out companies uh, first that are uh, bad for the environment, et cetera, and then trying to find the best of that group as opposed to ESG, which is trying to find the highest returns, which is why a lot of these ESG funds, like you're saying, do own tech stocks because they're trying to find the highest returns. It's, it's an investing strategy. Highest returns, then uh, companies that fit the framework versus companies that fit a framework and then trying to find the best ones within that. So there's a difference between SRI and ESG. I, I hope I explained that well, but it's a, it's, it's a bit of a difference there. Um, in any other things on your radar so as we sort of head into a, a long, long weekend here? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously we just got through uh, earnings season. You know, it was okay. Um, you know, I think the most important thing that I'm watching is, is you know, kind of as we get into Super Tuesday, uh, I've been thinking that we're going to get kind of one of these, oh my God, shots through Dow 30,000. And then, and then we're going to have to do some work. Um, and it may not, we may not go much higher until after the election, uh, assuming Trump wins. Um, so that, that's sort of how I'm playing it. I, I think you've, you've kind of done a lot of work already uh, as far as what the market's going to do uh, into the election. Uh, and I think you'll just chop around because there's just going to be a little too much uncertainty. Uh, and, um, you know, companies are going to probably use this uh, virus as, a, as an excuse to continue to pre-announce uh, or bring down numbers for the full year. Uh, and as a result, even though you're going to get multiple expansion with the, the central banks, you're still going to have some of those numbers actually coming lower. Um, and then, you know, all, all bets, are, I think, are off until we get through uh, the election and, and see where we stand, because, you know, there could be huge divergences depending on who's elected. Um, but I think that in general, uh, as long as it's not somebody on the far left, uh, the markets will probably be okay. I got one question for you. We're faded hard here for some reason. I don't. Uh, that's secretary. I'm not listening to CNBC, but it could be something to do with that. You got the HHS uh, secretary on there talking yeah. about the coronavirus, and I believe he's made the market nervous before about this. Okay. So I'm not sure if that's the catalyst here. I'm, I've got it on mute because we're listening to Ian, obviously, but I think that could be the catalyst for why we're selling off. Yeah, and also my uh, my puts expired today, so um, you know we got to go. I got to roll. <laughs> Me and Joel, uh, we actually thought it was the end of the world, Ian. So we were wrong right. about that. No, I just <laughs> I just wanted to uh, just ask you. I mean, you're a veteran of Wall Street, right? Uh, Wedbush Securities, managing director of their dash. You've worked for other firms. Your consultants portfolio insurance. I mean, it's something that um, really I haven't had all the years investing in the market. Did dabble a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's turning out not to be so fruitful here. What do you, what do you have to say to it? I mean, options are expensive. What, what's your overall take on, on, I mean, portfolio insurance for long-term investors? Well, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when ALF was out as well, as you guys were mentioning earlier. So I do remember <laughs> nice. some, some of that stuff around portfolio insurance. But, um, no, I mean, I think the best thing that you can do is, as we talked about earlier, just ensure you, you, know, you understand what you own. I mean, there's certainly ways of, of, of buying puts and, and having sort of protection against your portfolio. In my experience, it is, it's, it's better that if, if you're that nervous, just sell a little bit of stock. Uh, you know, and, and save some ammo if, if, if you want to have a level where the market comes in. Otherwise, I feel like you wind up spending a lot of premium um, 
you know, just to protect in, in a market where it just, given the, the VIX where it is, it just doesn't feel like you're going to get a whole lot of volatility. I mean, if you don't get volatility off of, off of a possible pandemic, um, I'm not really sure what's going to create volatility at this point. So well, I think it was my, my... higher since then. So I'll just take the other side of that trade and why I went the insurance route. So I haven't bought portfolio insurance in a decade, but I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, so I was nervous. So I went out and I paid about 3%. That's about the cost, 3% to go to June. So I've hedged part of my long-term investments. I haven't done this since the financial crisis, so I've been fully invested. But I'm just nervous because I don't know how this is going to play out. And the reason why this has worked out better than if I would have just liquidated my whole portfolio is, one, I would have been locking in a whole pile of huge capital gains because I've been invested since I was 22 years old. So I don't want to be going and paying the tax bill on a whole pile. You know, I've got, you know, stocks like MasterCard, I bought at $16. I don't want to be selling them, you know, here today at $335 and locking in that bill. But I just don't know how this is going to play out. So my cost going out to June was about 3%. The market, if we take it from the low on coronavirus day to up to here, 16 is up 5% the last two and a half weeks since the low. So if I would have panicked that day and just sold everything, like I bet you some people did, instead of going the portfolio insurance route, I would be now, you know, net minus 2% because my portfolios went up 5%, but I paid 3%. So net, I'm still up two. So in some cases, you know, in extreme cases where you think, you know, it's going to be, you know, an, uh, going one way or the other, where, you know, we're going to be in a serious issue here where, you know, you obviously have the financial crisis where the market fell 70%, where I think if coronavirus was to spread, I don't think it's a three or 4% fall in the markets. You know, SARS went down 20%. If it got into a serious contagion situation, you could see a scenario where the markets could fall 20 to 30%. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't, you catch all those people short. And I believe the big reason why we're up 5% is there's people who panicked on that day and people who are scrambling to get back long. So I think in some instances, it actually can make sense to buy, you know, put protection, but very seldom. Well, and, and, and I, you know, I, to be clear, yeah, absolutely. And and when I say sell something, it's not obviously liquidate the whole portfolio. The issue that you run into is is you know is if you don't get that twenty percent, like you know if, if if now you're if you're in March, right? It's it's hard to trade around those options, as you know. I mean, like you, you sometimes get trapped where you know oh, the market's yeah. down two percent, and it, it, you don't know whether you should roll them down or you should shake, you know buy stock against them. It's, it's just for, for the non-traders, it, it, it can add a dimension that just makes it even more difficult to figure out what you want to do. But I hear you. I mean, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong going to sleep at night knowing that if, you, if, if the world actually ends, not, you know, that, that you, you're somewhat protected against it. Maybe that doesn't matter anyways. We've got zombie apocalypse. It's not good. The least of our concerns is going to be that our money went down 30% or 40%. So yeah, well, listen, there is no hedge for the zombie apocalypse or the asteroid hitting the earth. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> ben, ben Affleck and Bruce Willis had an answer for the asteroid hitting the earth. So you never know. We said Wong SPCE, Inwiner, advisory board member of Bellator Asset Management, also the author of Ubiquitous Relativity. Ian, thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's a, a great discussion, and you really got a long term perspective on Wall Street. I, Really appreciate the back and forth. We'll get you on again soon. Also, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Ann. All right. All right. So about eight minutes left in our show. We can do Expedia. We can do Roku. Oh, no, not Roku. Mattel, Yelp, eBay. Where would you like to go? There's a number. Um, of- Datadog. 
Um, real quick, when you guys are deciding, uh, Dane, new to the app or YouTube chat, asking about Apple here. What, what are you going to say? The stock's at an all-time high. Uh, well, it hit 327.22, and it closed right up there at 327.20. So, I, you know, look for it to, you know, make a new all-time high. Just, yeah, I, I don't it's know. It's the same story. I mean, every yeah. pullback has been a buy. I'm long this thing in my long-term account. I bought it $100 about three years ago. It's a triple here now. It feels like it's overdone. It feels like part of me wants to ring the register on this. The other part doesn't want to pay the tax bill again. Um, but you know what? Like, you know, I, I bought this because the valuation was cheap. It's not cheap anymore. I mean, so if you're coming here and investing in Apple now, I think you're way late to the party. With that being said, I still believe in the company long term, and I'm probably going to hold it in my long-term retirement account just because it's worked for so long now. Uh, it was 2016 that I bought it, so I've had it for four years. Um, and, I, and I had it a few times before that, too. It's not like I haven't been long Apple. I've had Apple in and out a few times, but uh, I, I, I don't, I can't see coming in it as a trade. It sets up well still. I mean, the, the trend is still your friend. Until this thing gets under $300, I believe the bulls are still in full control of Apple. But the valuation is an issue for me now because this isn't the, the huge growth stock. that you know It's okay to pay a, a big valuation for a stock like Shopify sometimes when it's growing like crazy. But Apple isn't this huge growth stock that's really growing the top line. I mean, year over year, weren't they even down, Spencer? Were they not down year over year, the, the sales, the, the top line? That was a year ago. Okay, so maybe it's up slightly, but it's not like it's growing earnings at 30%. So, I mean, you're paying now a higher multiple than you were. I think the easy money on the investing side on Apple is has been made. You know, if it got back down to 200, so it's like 250 area, 260 area again, maybe it gets interesting as an investing option. But as a trade, it sets up well. Looks like it's ready to break out again. So I'd say if you're in it for a trade, I'd say at a minimum, you, you stay the course until that 313 low is breached, which was from three to eight, four days ago. But I think you're still in control as long as it's above 300. Yeah. What three, are your thoughts, Joel? Uh, I'm just, I mean, for, you know, looking at it from a resistance point, I see two highs in the 327 handle. So to me that, you know, someone's trying to get that, you know, sell its chunk of stock over 327. So they clear that person out, close, you know, above that area. Um, another leg up, if you're really nervous about things, I mean, you could just look at, uh, you mentioned that 313.85 low, that's actually your four day low, uh, but you got some other daily lows to keep an eye on, 23.35 and 21.47. Uh, uh, so. uh, one more thing, I just want to go back to a couple things that Ian said that I didn't get a chance to address, and I sure. wish I would have when he was on. Completely agree with you, Ian, if you're still listening, you made two fantastic points. And one was that, you know, that, you know, the bullish argument on this, which, you know, I have not, you know, I've thought about it, but, you know, when you just spell it out simply that, you know, this gives the green light to every central bank in the world to protect this market. So we've talked about them fighting the Fed, but also the other point that you made was every company is going to get a pass on, you know, warning. I mean, we saw Nike warn with the coronavirus. We saw Carnival Cruise Lines. We saw RCL warn last night. NVIDIA mentioned on the conference call. Alibaba for crying out loud, call it a potential black swan event. So, I mean, they're all getting passes on this. So, I mean, that's bullish in itself when you see the stocks going up. They're saying nervous stuff on the call, but people are like, okay, well, they're coming out clean on it. It's good. So, I mean, you could see how, why, you know, maybe there is some fundamental reasons. I've been trying to figure out the fundamental reason why the market keeps rallying here. 
but maybe it is that you know everybody gets a pass now and if zombie apocalypse isn't coming you know if this doesn't you know have a contagion effect i could see this market being significantly higher here by you know by the end of the year if the the contagion gets contained so you know if it if it doesn't continue to spread if we get the coronavirus contained I, I could see a scenario. We could see S and P, or you could see this buy up at 400 bucks by the end of the year. You could totally see that scenario just because of those reasons that Ian just cited. So thanks for bringing that up if you're still listening, Ian. I do want to talk about Expedia uh, real quick just sure. because we talked about TripAdvisor yesterday. This is, I just can't make any sense of this. So yesterday we talked TripAdvisor. Their earnings, they beat and beat and the stock sold off. Yeah. Now we get Expedia. That. We get Expedia here. They beat on the earnings, missed on the sales. What do they do? Uh, you know, just we'll just we'll just buy it. Hmm. That's what we're. Well, we'll just buy. I it. mean, again, you know, not expectations probably very low here. But they also said on the call that they thought even with the coronavirus that they were comfortable with their numbers. So that was a really bullish statement. When you say something like that, and everybody's like nervous about the coronavirus, what are they going to say about that? And they said even you know if this thing continues to spread, they were still confident with their numbers. So I don't know how they can be, but at least that's what they said. And the market is obviously giving them a huge boost um, on, on those co- that commentary as well. So it was good quarter, good numbers. Everything said right on the conference call. That's why the stock's trading up 13 points. And you know what? You're in a gap area here now, yeah, too. So you really, you really got room up to 134, and you got room back down. So this is one of those coin flip trades. You're kind of in the middle at 124. I probably don't chase it because I don't chase stocks. I'm not, you know, I've lost a lot of money chasing stocks. But, you know, just coming in here and fading it, you're, you got all the way up to 134. So, again, it's a tough pitch to hit here at 124. Yeah, Dennis mentioned that gap up to 134.37. I guess the best thing you could do is just keep an eye on uh, the quiet consolidation going on here with some decent volume trading. Buyers stepping up at 123.50. These are your 15-minute lows. 23.52, 23.50, 23.60, 23.50, yada, yada, yada. So hold 123.50. Yep, go up and challenge that all-time high. or Not all-time high. Uh, the high of the move. Below 123.50, I don't know where you're going to run and hide here uh, with the long. Um, on the upside, 124.83. That marks your pre-market high. Your buck uh, above that. Let's see if you can take that out and uh, perhaps take a gap fill. If you get anywhere near that gap fill today, I'd expect, look to see uh, mega, mega sellers. And I don't know when booking reports. They haven't announced it yet. So booking is the last of these three here, Expedia, uh, TripAdvisor, and, and booking. But I, I don't know. I have a bar for booking now, though. So if they're coming, you know, you're a little more nervous. Um, yeah. I assume they're coming very soon because they're reporting November, December. It's got to be coming in the next few days, I would think. Uh, or next couple of weeks, but I, I, I don't, I don't you know. Don't have, we don't have there, a confirmed date no, on them yet? There's no date, no. Confirmed okay, date. so they haven't given the confirmed date here yet, but it's coming. So uh, a little bit bar, higher bar from the set. It's going to be up here again here, $2,000. And, you know, there's going to be more headlines here coming from the coronavirus, and these are coronavirus right. stocks. So obviously the market spooked again. The stock gets hit more. Market gets calm again. The stock rallies, you know, more than it. So it's beta is going to be higher right now just because of all the coronavirus headlines. Uh, one more thing I wanted to add is today is the 45th day from the end of the quarter which means it is the deadline for 13Fs, which means we will get 13Fs. Any 13Fs we haven't already gotten, we'll get them after the close today. Oh, so it's going to be a big Friday night. You're telling the only, me don't take the, the time off. The, well, the only 13F that really moves markets these days is, is Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, so I would strongly expect his to be out at, yeah. after the close today. Uh, just to 
you know, and I had to recap, recap earlier up and I, I closed it out, but uh, he usually will buy or sell or add or delete uh, a number of positions. I wonder if he lightened up at all. So that, that'll be, I think that, you know, overall, I look at the, he's such know, a long, he just yeah. moves it from side to side. He might, he'll sell something, but buy something else. I don't know. Does he ever lighten up? Is he ever one that like is all, I'm, I'm going 50% cash. I don't like, I mean, he gets out of holdings. Yeah. He sells, yeah. but he didn't buy something else with it. Like what's his cash holding at any oh, given time? Right. It's gotta be, he's a, you know, he just buys and holds and, and he's a big believer in, you know, the, he's, he trades against the zombie apocalypse. So my point is, is watch out for the banks. Yeah. Watch out for uh, Apple, which he reduced his stake in the last quarter. He's long uh, Phillips 66, ExxonMobil, a few energy stocks. So just watch out because those can move. I bet you hours. sold some ExxonMobil. I bet you he did. We'll but find out. Do yeah. Right. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah. Bet. Okay. So just watch out if you're trading uh, later in the day. Because did you see the Valentine that I just got from one of my Twitter followers? Can you show it on the screen? I did MD, see MDO 1984 said, here's a Valentine from the old Alpha. Can we show that? Go to my Twitter feed and yeah. the show. This is the show I was talking about. It's Alpha. And happy Valentine's Day to all our listeners here. We'll give you a Valentine from the old Alpha. Yeah. You and, and then, I just tweet. I just retweeted it. So go to my tweet. I'll pull it up. I want to show. This is what I was talking about with Elf. And you see, you say, I remember that guy. <laughs> MD zero nineteen eighty four. Thank you very much for the. Valentine. I hope we uh, we don't get in trouble for this too. Oh yeah, they'll say, oh, you don't have rights to show this Valentine. On the <laughs> there, he oh, there he is. He's coming in. There's the old Elf for Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> How we digress. That's great. All right, uh, you can watch that on Roku TV. <laughs> Great. Oh, also, Dennis, I meant to tell you, you were always complaining about how Disney Plus never has any new content. They just Did announced, they get a new they, content for me. They they announced a, a Mighty Ducks TV show. Oh, I heard about where that. the Mighty Ducks uh, are, they're now the bad guys, and it's about hockey. So I figured the you Mighty would. Ducks became the bad guys. Yeah, they're a dominant team. How's that happen? Oh, you got to watch it. I don't know. Oh man, this doesn't. So thinking about. Exciting, All right. To be honest with you. Anyway, I need uh, more star. I need another Mandalorian. That Mandalorian was. Awesome. I just gave you one. It's about hockey. Oh, I want Amanda. Yeah, uh, Emilio Estevez is in there, right? Yeah. They, they brought yeah. him back. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? Three day weekend. So Never saw the movie. You so. know what? Market could just caution a little bit going into the weekend. I know it's bull, bull, rah, 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 but there could be a little bit of profit taking going into the weekend because people could be nervous about another headline breaking. So I'd be cautious just going through the weekend. Um, again, it seems like they just shrug off every time the market, you know, sells off a little bit on the coronavirus. They just shrug it off, so it's hard to get full on bearish here for any scenario. I'm staying with my long-term puts that I bought in June, just because of the unknown. I'm happy I've got them, uh, but this market's in full bull, bull mode still. Yeah, and I, I would just say the old, a lot of times the old Friday Monday trick, which will be the Friday Tuesday trick. You know, you make a a high or a low on a Friday, and then it, you either you know that's a good fade which it has, a bit, you know, the, the low of, you know, the recent move, we had that ugly day on Friday. They held it up on uh, Sunday night, boom, and it was off to the races. Same thing on this Monday. So, uh, we, you know, we are now uh, nine points off that pre-market high at 88.50. I expect that to be protected today, and uh, we trade around that. Uh, the real or the high from the regular session yesterday, 84.75, be using that as an intermediate target on the downside. 72 even pre-market low daily pivot comes in at 3370 if we take that out things are kind of thin on the downside but first things first we got to take that out so that's it 
All right. I want to thank everyone in our chat. I, I apologize. We didn't do a great job this week of getting to getting to the tickers that were dropped in there. We'll try to do a better job next week of getting to all your questions. Maybe Joel can stay late in, on Tuesday. In the uh, yeah. We love the participation, uh, both on YouTube and our premarket.benzing.com. So thank you to everyone who participates. Thanks again to our guest, Ian Weiner. You can always catch the podcast of our show on our any podcast platform or we watch our show on youtube.com slash TV. For our Florida listeners, the Benzing Academy's Capital Conference is coming up in, I guess, a week or you know, 10 days from now, February 24th to 25th. Go to BenzingaEvents.com to learn more about that. You can always give us a call, 734-494-0246, or email us, premarket at Benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great long weekend. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Tuesday, that's correct. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.